Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome, my dear friends, to another episode of Let Go, Lean In, and I am so excited to introduce to you, or reintroduce, depending on if you're already aware of who she is, Andrea Stunts. Thank you for being here, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I am honored to be here with you. And you know, I just realized I didn't verify how to say your last name. I've read it that way, but that may n- not be the correct pronunciation. Oh, it, yeah. I, I, I'm not picky, but it's stuns. Andrea stuns. Okay. Oh, there we yeah. go. I yeah. like to get those things right. And I apologize. I didn't ask in advance. <laughs> For those of you listening to this, I just need to give you a lead in. We have had the conversation of a lifetime prior to pressing record. So we're ready to go. So I hope you're ready to go as listeners. And let me introduce Andrea with the reading of her bio, which is fun. So here we go. Andrea Stuns is a Christ follower from the age of seven, a wife of a miraculous 34 years, a grateful mom to three amazing adult children, a genuinely blessed mother-in-law, and a ridiculously proud grandmother to five, it's actually six now, and one more on the way. (laughs) Having lived in Brazil, Asia, and the UK, along with multiple addresses in the United States, Andrea is a well-traveled Texan who finds joy in her family, grace in her friendships, and confounding beauty in survival stories. I love that. She seeks purpose in every sunrise, wonder in her travels, and banks on the immeasurable hope in Colossians 1.17. She is a counterphobic Enneagram 6 wing 5, an empath, and a nurturer. She serves others in mentorship and as a freelance writer and editor. Andrea currently lives in Kansas in an almost 100-year-old, beautifully restored house with walls and halls of stories. She lives there with her husband and two doodles. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to record our conversation. (laughs) And and for those of you that will get a chance to see this recording eventually, Andrea is in the basement of her 100-year-old house, and the walls are exquisite. So reading about walls of stories was just like, oh, look at that. So look forward to that. A really fun story about this basement real fast. Oh, please. uh, There was a big tornado that came through our little town in like the 50s. And this basement was um, a safe harbor for most of the community that was leveled. And so anyway, so it has withstood. So that speaks to me as a survivor um, that, you know, there's, there's strength down here. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's, uh, it's not uniform. And that's the thing I love about old houses. The stones are, they're rough cut and they're not all like bricks, although they are bricks. It's, you know, yeah. it's not uniform, which yeah. is like our life, right? Right. right. <laughs> not uniform. It's not a straight line. <laughs> There's really a lot of texture. So, well, for, for our listeners, I would love for you, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, in your bio, there are lots of touch points, but for the purposes of looking at our lives, you know, kind of entering toward the second half of life and and where we are, can you do some, some high points that have led you to the place that you are? in your work, in your life, in your faith. And that's a big, I'm going to sit back. (laughs) There's a, there's a 55 years of, of stuff to share. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of high points. And I think that's a good thing for me to realize because, you know, when things have been so hard and so bad for a few years prior to now, uh, it is very healthy for me to see the good um, yeah. and highlights. So I think that's a good thing for us to focus on. Yeah, perspective. Highlights. Yeah, perspective. Um, goodness. I don't even know where to start with that. A lot of my highlights have to do with places I've lived. Yeah. Uh, as a young girl, I did live in Brazil with um, my mom and dad and three sisters. So I think there's a lot of bravery that I got from a lot of courage that was in 1970. Mm. when 1975 so mid 70s when my parents moved to South America from little town Texas um with their four daughters that's a lot was it people did work or mission work yeah no my, for my dad's my dad's job uh oh. he worked for a chemical company and they were building oh. a plant in that town so wow. I just look back and I'm like people didn't really do that then you know, that wasn't, that was way before third culture kid was ever a concept, you know, but I grew up a third culture kid without really knowing it. So that's part of a highlight for me. Yeah. Totally instilled the sense of adventure in my life. Um, to this day, travel for me is a high priority. If you follow me, excuse me on Instagram or Facebook or just in my, in my real life, you'll, you know, that travel is important to me, adventuring and seeing God's goodness, seeing God's people and his creation, not just the Americanized version, uh, is very, very, very important to me. And I take, anyway, that's a huge travel is a highlight. Adventuring is a highlight seeing, seeing God's creation, um, as much as I can fit in and afford. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, let's see. So I guess another highlight would be uh, my salvation happened while I was in Brazil at the age of seven uh, at after a traumatic, fairly traumatic event. We were at a concert, a Christian concert, which we didn't get to do that very much. But this American choir came through uh, probably about, well, I'm a seven um, and uh, anyway, the crowds were insane. And I remember you know, my, my dad didn't go. It was just my mom and sisters and I, and then some friends, but I just remember feeling, we almost got crushed. I mean, I remember my, the grip on my arm, you know, from my mom, but anyway, so all of that, then getting in and, and hearing the music. So music is a highlight for me. The music is what connects my heart to God. Yeah. Um, you said in our earlier conversation that you and your husband are musicians and music is very, 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 um, 
important to me in my relationship with God and just in general. Um, so yeah, became a Christian at that concert, found Jesus and basically in my quest and my need for safety, he, he was there. Mm -hmm. So I've known that he was my safety from a very young age. Um, goodness, do you have any other thoughts or questions about that? Like highlights further along in life or of course getting married, having kids. Yeah. To, to, you are a storyteller. Yeah. And, and you, through your adventuring and travels, you've been able to collect a lot, but in living life, there are stories just, you know, right. like in your day to day, you're at home and all, you're a storyteller. And, and I guess I'm curious, how did you start writing your stories and, and getting to the place where you're now, you know, mentoring others and, and helping people develop their own writing and stuff, because that's, you know, that's big. Yes. You know, an entire life that is big. And, but yet there's, you know, you're a writer. There's a through line at some point that that we hang on to. Right. And I, you're right. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I think you're right there. I used to, as a, gosh, as words have always been important to me. I've always loved words. I've always been curious about words, mm-hmm. words and what they meant, mm-hmm. how they made me feel. Um, and, you know, there are certain words that, you know, I could say that, that just, it just, feels good coming off the tongue or that just feels like an awkward word to say, you know? Um, uh, but so at a very young age, I learned another language, you know, we learned Portuguese. And so those words filtered in. And so I don't know, I, I growing up as a little girl, I was very shy, very, uh, introverted. Um, very, I felt very small a lot. Mm. Um, and so I didn't trust my feelings. Um, I, it's, so I think I wrote my feelings. <laughs> I couldn't uh-huh. speak. Like I didn't, I wasn't comfortable speaking what I felt, yeah. um, because I honestly, now I know as an adult, why that would have been, but it's because I just mm. didn't trust that they would come out right, mm-hmm. that I would be misunderstood. But if they were in writing, I would have time to, tweak or reword or, you know, okay, wait a minute, that doesn't sound just right. So, you know, and then kind of, kind of perfected, but not perfected, but um, yeah. So I wrote all growing up teenage years, wrote a lot of songs, wrote a lot of poems. Um, I would, I would write songs, you know, uh, people don't, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I was in a, in a band just before uh, right out of high school. And that's actually where I met my husband. And, uh, it was, a. it's, it's funny now, but it was so, it was such a fun time then, but, um, yeah, I would write songs for the band to sing and I played the piano and we sang oh. and it's just fun. It was just a fun time, just yeah. a fun time to, to share music with, with other people Making and God just, just, yeah. Um, and then I guess as an editor now that's evolved as well, mm-hmm. um, from, various different avenues. I, I'm a big believer in following the path. So just kind of like what, 
what's coming next and I may not next year who knows I may not be an editor I don't know I'm, I mean, I'll always be an editor because that's in my DNA yeah but I think I've been an editor since the day I was born and to me what an editor does it just makes things better mm -hmm. um I like I like to make things better I like um in my editing I love supporting other people and where that comes from is from a place of just feeling alone mm -hmm. uh you know there was a a story there's particular times when when I felt particularly alone and I'm just like if I can keep someone if I can encourage somebody and keep someone from feeling alone in their work mm. in their life in their pain um yeah that's that's what I want because I've, I've felt alone a lot not not because people did anything really wrong or I, you know whatever it's just I've that's me that's just my tendency to to feel alone but yeah and so well, as the writer it, it just kind of empowered me to write and share with other people my feelings and my thoughts and mm -hmm. adventures and even fun things that aren't emotional you know um you know a, a particular trip itinerary or you know something a recipe right. you know just sharing anything that that might bring joy or comfort or community to mm. Yeah, I love that. And and I love that you what you're weaving as you're telling me this is is this evidence of your empathy because you want to help others not feel alone right. in the work that they're bringing into the world because right. writing is a very solitary experience even in a classroom full of people who are all writing at the same time you're at your spot bringing out the ideas, the experiences, the stories, whatever it might be. And so you're recognizing and connecting right. with the times that you experienced loneliness right. in the midst of others. You know, that's, that's a real thing. And yeah, so you can, I mean, I lived in Southeast Asia amongst millions of people and felt right. lonelier than I ever have. You can, yeah. you can be lonely and not alone. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a, a very important distinction as you are, you know, helping people bring their work into the world and, and to, you know, use words. We, we talked about it. You said funny, maybe it's really ironic. And, and just to be able to look for the best, most full and true expression, yeah. that's, that's a beautiful skill to, to offer to somebody else and the companionship. So I, I, I love how you are looking at, at this as, oh, this is, this is who I am and, and have been. And right. I think that's the important thing that in this season of life, as we approach, you know, what, what lies ahead, because a lot of times when we're, you know, in the work world and parenting and, you know, that season of life, we're not lifting our head that much because there's so much in front of us that, you know, we just have to make sure that we're <laughs> moving forward. But then we get to this place where it's more spacious and we can see, okay, well, yeah. This part no longer serves me, but this is still something that I want to cling to. So in that, in that clarifying this part of your journey, you know, next year, you may not be an editor. I love that you said that, you know, because, because you are a Christ follower and I wish I could say this, you know, talk about languages, but in Celtic, Holy Spirit is wild goose. 
And oh. so, you know, that feels so re that feels so true. I feel that I feel wild that, goose. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. so here we go this way. It's not a straight line, but as you look to offer your, your services to people, it sounds like you look for, I don't know how to say this the best way. I'm just going to say it. You look for something in that writer. And, and I, I believe I recall that your spiritual gift, one of them is discernment. Yeah. How, how do you recognize that that plays into being fully who you are when you're working with others? I think, I think I generally have a pretty good read on people pretty quickly. And that's both good and bad, <laughs> but, yes. but, it's much, but I, but in my maturity, in my, you know, second half of life, it, it's, uh, it, it feels like a gift because, mm. because I feel like I can, mm, I just feel like I have more compassion for somebody, anybody now, mm. uh, because, because life hits everybody, you know, and nobody's immune to suffering. Um, nobody's immune to the wounds of their past, uh, whether we choose to deal with them or process through them or heal from them or not. Nobody's, everybody's got their stuff, you know? Um, some of the, a thought that I had when you asked the question was some of the work that I've done has genuinely been just work, Mm. um, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. And it's just maybe not a project that I resonated with or, you know, spiritually or emotionally mm-hmm. myself, right. but that's okay. That's what I do. That's a, that's part of the the job. Yes. But mostly I am not a hustler. I don't do well with like, you're not going to see me on Instagram. Like I'll every once in a while, put something out there that you know, like I've got space for more work or, you know, if anybody has something, you know, keep me in mind or whatever. Right. But I just, I just feel like God brings me who he's supposed to bring me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like it that way. So, and so far that's worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, my job doesn't need, what, what I do doesn't need to be necessarily a career. Could it need to be that someday? Maybe. And so I'm just, you know, kind of thinking that might set me up well for yeah. what I do, but for right now, it just feels like support. Like mm. how, how can I support you? And I use that wording in, in most of what I do, like, how can I serve you? How can I support you? Uh, how can I be with you? How can I love what you, you say, walking alongside, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I love the word alongside. Yeah. Um, how can we lock arms and do this together? Um, I'm not, I'm not a red pen, you know, I'm not just an angry red pen going through (laughs) marking up your work because I I feel like what, what it took for you to write those words down was immense courage, you know, because I know, because I know from my, from my own writing journey, uh, I, I have, probably about 20 working titles for a book that I want to write someday because I just, you know, like I just, it's hard to get it out there. So in the meantime, if I can support someone else who has maybe a little more courage than I do to actually get it written, I, that's what I want to do. And almost 
I've said this often, it almost brings me more joy. It does. It brings me more joy to support someone else's heart words, uh, work of heart, which I like to say too. Yeah. Um, it then, then it does to create my own. It really does. I love, I love, I think who said this, I think Dorothy Greco maybe said it on this last. Did she talk about withness? Yes. I think she said that. And I like, I love that word. Yeah. Um, uh, just the withness of it all. And we're just not meant to do any of this alone. I'm an introvert. I'm good at being alone. I like being by myself, but I also love supporting other people. And if you'll let me support you, let's do it. <laughs> I love that. And you know what, the, the way that you're wired that what you have shared with me, you know, as a six wing five and that counterphobic, you counterphobic know, plays into opposite it as of, well. yeah, mm -hmm. what, what sounds like somebody who's definitely a loner and needs knowledge and security to, to feel, you know, like they're stable and stuff. You invest and, and reach into and come along with people in a way that is going to be loyal and supportive and right. help with the follow through. So I, I, I think you're right in the place that you need to be, not that you need my, uh, approval or affirmation oh. <laughs> from it, but it, it hey, I'm a six. I need your, I need that. <laughs> you know, all the voices in my head. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got to put them in the right place. Right. Right. And, and I, I really, um, I, I just, I come back to this idea of loneliness because as an introvert, that's how you get recharged. Right. But that doesn't mean you don't want to be with people, right? And that's a misunderstanding. Yeah. I think that we still need to keep drilling out there so that people understand, you know, introverts are not necessarily shy, nor are they necessarily fearful of being with other people. It, it's a matter of being re-energized. Right. And, and then there are, it's not just extroverts what we're learning more and more, there are those that are ambiverts, right? both introvert and extrovert energizing, but at different times for different right. purposes. That's where I land. I used to be, you know, looking at, I don't feel like an extreme extrovert, although I'm completely comfortable being on a stage in front of hundreds of people. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a different thing, but I still need yeah. that alone time. But that loneliness factor that can come in the midst of other people, that's that's something different. Right. And learning to, I don't want to say mitigate, but that's the first word that popped into my head to mitigate loneliness, because I think it's it's a part that God uses to help us see something. Yeah. And, you know, a variety of different things. But for me, when I'm feeling lonely, I have experienced disconnection within myself. Mm -hmm. So I need mm -hmm. to practice checking in with my thoughts, with my emotions and with my body. Right. And then when that gets, you know, if I've done yoga or gone for a walk or had some water to drink, whatever it is. I start to feel more alignment 
within myself, that loneliness kind of, um, it doesn't go away, but it, it is more manageable rather than overwhelming. I'm, I'm curious if you have some practices that you have, you know, tapped into when you're feeling lonely, or maybe that was in that season. How did you handle that? Because that is a huge factor in many people's lives and it's not high on their awareness, right? but it's this part of them. And then there's that discontent. I'm going to stop and let you answer. (laughs) No, I love, and I think I really appreciate you speaking into me because as one of my practices that I have learned in the last couple of years through Enneagram is, um, is knowing what I need and and mm-hmm. kind of more knowing who I am, being mm-hmm. okay with who I am and what I need. Yeah. Um, so I ask myself often, what you know, in this moment or in this situation, what do I need right now? Because for most of my life, I, it was about, and I'm and this is not a bad thing, but my life revolved around what other people needed. Sure. And I didn't focus. You know, I I chose not to focus on my own needs very much. Yeah. Um. Uh, that sounds martyr-like, but it was, I, I'm not trying no. to convey martyrdom, but it, it it was just, I just didn't. I was totally about helping other people and not knowing who I was. So this journey of healing for me from all sorts of wounds, um, but then also discovering myself as, as an empath as like, just, just delving into like, who, who am I taking the, I love taking, um, assessments and like, just like Dorothy, I heard her say that too. And I'm like, and hers is recent. So that's what's kind of on yeah. my mind. But I yeah, heard, yeah. I was like, okay. I think we just all need to have a, a, a good, like chat together, but that would uh, be fun. <laughs> I, I love, I love assessments. I love learning about myself. And so one of the, to, to bring it to a point, one of the things that, um, I, I say is extremely important in my journey and in my, the integration of who I am and then uh, being able to share with others is curiosity. So Mm -hmm. being able to be curious about myself and being honest with myself, which you've mentioned. um, I heard someone say, um, I am not a a great journaler, but I've heard someone's and, and I want to, you know, I'm actually creating a journal (laughs) in this moment, but, um, but I love to journal, but here's why, here's why I'm not a great journaler because historically I'm not great at being honest with myself. Um, And I think to be able to journal, you have to be able to tell yourself the truth and, and, and tell, and see the reality of what is going on around you and be able to write it down. And that's very vulnerable. Um, and so I think a lot, I heard one guy who was going through, um, an addiction and he relapsed It was an alcohol addiction. Um, and he relapsed and he realized through all of that, that, that when he started relapsing is about the time when he stopped journaling. And I thought that is so interesting that he, and he even said, I, you know, I didn't want to be honest with myself. I didn't want to write that crap down. You know, I didn't want to write down what I was feeling and what I was doing because I didn't like it. And so 
Yeah, so journaling is important. I don't do that quite enough, but that is important. Um, working on that, we're always in progress, right? In process. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, curiosity, asking questions, going back to uh, my true identity, um, mm-hmm. who I am, uh, my why for what I do, mm-hmm. um, which is, which I know, you know, and so. Yeah. And then I also know that I need people around me. I need this conversation with you. This is, you know, this is, I have a few people in my life that are um, very trustworthy and they know me mm-hmm. to my core mm-hmm. and they know when I'll say, can you help me process through something that they know that I need that because I need other voices speaking into all the voices that are going on in my head saying this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, yeah. okay, let's rein it in. Can you help me rein this in? Yeah. Um, sometimes I can do that for myself. Sometimes the Lord helps me, you know, do that with a scripture or a song. It's like, oh, right. okay, I get it. But sometimes I need some external help. I need to phone a friend, you know, right. um, <laughs> and, and, and I have a few of those. And I think that's, that's beautiful. highly valuable to have a few of those, you know, to know what you need and, and make that happen. And to have those people who have walked along with you yes. to be able to give you that external perspective on what right. you're experiencing. That is they've walked, they've going. either walked along with me or they're they're walking along with me, but a few of them have even walked this path, the same similar path before me. And so yeah. it just is like, and they made it. They're still alive. They're still mm-hmm. here. They're still surviving. And so I think I thrive off of other survivor stories. I do because I think there's so much courage, bravery, vulnerability, which is courage, takes courage yeah. to, to stay. It takes so much to stay. It does. Yeah. It, it would, the, the courage, you know, take heart. I'm, I'm a word girl as well. And I'm always like, what's the origin of this? What, what, you know, how, how have we gotten to here with this word when this is how it started? And, and to know that courage is taking heart mm-hmm. and, and what does that represent for us? And that curiosity is like, huh, how did that person get through this hard place? And you ask questions and you get to yeah. know somebody by hearing their stories. Yeah. And so to, to be a curator of people's survival stories mm-hmm. and, and to recognize that there's ways that you can then turn around and inspire others, the work that you're preparing for the rest of us, a, a devotional, which is a journal. And, and it's like, I'm excited. I can't wait to see that in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I know that it's a lot of sacrifice to make that happen. And, and so I, you know, how I'm a seven, so I'm about fun. <laughs> how do you keep yourself kind of, you know, balanced, which is, is a hard word for me because I know, right. that, you know, sometimes to be in balance means you're not moving. <laughs> yeah. So that isn't necessarily the goal, right. But to right. emotionally <laughs> balanced. Gosh, the first word that comes to mind is grace because I'm not always balanced. I am, I'm highly sensitive. I'm pretty intense. I live most of my life. I'm pretty, you know, all in 
when I'm all in and I'm kind of all out when I'm all out, which mm. I've discovered for me is, is, is kind of a trauma response, mm. um, to, you know, to be all or nothing, um, mm. which is helpful. You know, one of those things I got curious about. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I try not to, I try to just kind of take time to, it takes me what a, another thing I've learned about myself is that it just takes me a long time to process. I am a slow mm. processor mm. and where I used to feel like I needed to have an answer right now, you know, now I can say, that's interesting. Um, mm. can, can I, can I think about that for a minute and get back to you? Or can I, yeah. can I, can I, can we talk about this tomorrow? You know, even with my husband and he knows that about me now because he knows more about the Enneagram and we can, we know each other better in our strengths and weaknesses, even outside of Enneagram. Um, <clears throat> we've gotten to know after, you know, 30 something years of marriage. So we finally yeah. like, okay, well, how about we be adults in this relationship <laughs> and see how that goes. So were you in the car with me and my husband <laughs> on the way home on Sunday? <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll just say February of February of me one, we were getting divorced. So to be where we are, and, and the only reason the, the the words that came out of our mouths were, I mean, we knew we loved each other. We know we wanted to try to make, we tried to make this work for, you know, at that point, 32 years. Yeah. And, uh, and so we thought, you know, the one thing we haven't tried is being adults. Mm. We haven't really tried that yet. How about we try that? Mm. And so, you know, read yeah. some books, did some more therapy and, you know, we, it's like, okay, I quite like being Andrea, the adult and Tommy, the adult and being adults together. It's kind of fun. So yeah. it's nice. But anyway, so what he's learned about me is that it takes me time to process. So when we have something that comes up, it, he needs to research. It takes him time to research. He's mm -hmm. a five. So five. Yeah. we know about each other that, you know, we don't have to finish this right now. Mm. No, this, this, you know, we still love each other let's, let's ponder, let's process, let's pray. A friend of mine, Sherry Gregory, I don't know if you know her, she says, pray yes. says, which I love. Um, and, you know, and let's just sit on this for a minute and let's revisit it, you know? Yeah. And so that's helpful. Um, and I think I'm off track from the question. No, no, actually <laughs> you're not. And, and it leads me to another question, which will tie all of this together because these are examples of you learning in this season of life to lead yourself well, yeah. yep. which I am it's very important you know, to me. I'm a transformational leadership coach. That's, that's my jam. And transformational leadership is a style of leadership where you first are learning and then you're investing mm, in your people. Mm -hmm. And so you, we, any of us need to learn to lead ourselves well so that we can invest effectively in our people. Now, it doesn't right. matter if you don't have leadership in the title of what you do with your life right now. We are all bearing the image of God and the fingerprint of leadership is on us. Right. We lead somehow. Exactly. Somehow. Yeah. So I love that you are learning to do that and have put certain things into practice. But if you were going to, I mean, use this platform right now, give the most important thing that you have learned about leading yourself well, 
we've talked about a lot of different things, but what, what oh. do you think the most important for you thus far as a, as a practice, as a skill, as a thing you're still learning? What might it yeah, be? It's, it's always hard for me to pick just one thing <clears throat> in anything. Uh, Let's okay. pick your favorite song, pick, I'll, pick I'll, I'll your favorite you scripture. <laughs> I can't ever pick a favorite. I have lots of favorites. Um, one thing off the top. I mean, if, if this was, you know, name the first thing that comes mm -hmm. to mind, mm -hmm. I know once we hang up, I'm going to, it's like, oh, but I wanted to say this. Um, <laughs> it's but, okay. You can text me and tell me, and then I'll add it into the show notes. <laughs> I would say the one thing that helps me to lead myself well, um, it, mm, I, I, I want to say self-care. Uh, um, I want to say self-care because nice. that's stewardship of, of me. And that may look like a pedicure, but that may also look like rest. That may mm. also look like, that may also look like going to church when I really know that I need to, but I don't want to, you know, mm. or, you know, pushing through some fears of something or some event or some situation or yeah. just knowing what's best for me, knowing what I need and then doing what I need. And I think that's the definition of self-care is, mm -hmm. is knowing what I need in that moment yeah. and, and then taking care of myself in that moment. Um, and and that's not selfish. It's not selfish. It's, it's incredible stewardship. And I, I don't think, you yeah. know, there's a lot of self-care is a big buzzword, right. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it's, it's stewardship of, of loving myself well. And one of my favorite scriptures through all of this healing journey for me, which has been going on for about 10 years, most concentrated in the last four or five yeah, is uh, Mark 12, 31 to love neighbors as yourself, because mm -hmm. I think we get that backwards. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in my paraphrase, it's love yourself well, so you can love others well. And so it could go to lead yourself well, so you can lead others well. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, self-care is probably that for me. I love that. And, and that is a great answer because for women of faith, that is such a misrepresented topic. And the fact that you identified it as stewardship is priceless because yeah. we, we are given stewardship as a command. And, and so it starts with right. stewardship of ourself, right? So that well, we can love God and love exactly. others. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah. And so, so one good. of the things that I had to learn in my marriage when it almost didn't survive, um, I've even had to learn that with, you know, being a mom, because I put a lot of my identity in the past, mm -hmm. you know, being, a, a, I'm a mom, you know, I have a whole, whole, I have a counseling session with, uh, with one of my counselors one time. And she's like, uh, I won't remember how she said it, but tell me, tell me who you are. And so I, I told her, I was like, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I'm a that, you know, she's like, no, those are things you do. Tell me who you are. Oh, yeah. And so anyway, so I, I was able to work through a lot of my identity issues and, you know, it's like, wait a minute, I, I had children, I raised children, you know, I, I love being a mom, yeah. but God, God didn't even create me to be a mom. Right. 
he created me to be Andrea. He didn't create me to be a wife and he created me to be Andrea. So what is Andrea going to do? Do I get to be a wife? Yeah. Do I get to be a mom? Yeah. Thank, thank the Lord. But, but I'm meant to be Andrea. Yep. Who is she? Mm. And what does she need to do? Mm. That's, that's a good word because that takes us as women away from these external, external externalities. And uh, here I am making up words. <laughs> we can focusing, make up words. Focusing on the, the fearfully and wonderfully made, which is true. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and that's in part, you talked about assessments. I, everybody knows I'm an assessment junkie. I mean, I have, I know all the things <laughs> about myself, right. but why? Because I didn't know. Exactly. I didn't know I wasn't given a good mirror or a model. And so this has been kind of a reclamation reconstruction project for a long time to figure out who is Lisa. So I love that you recognize that, you know, self-care, stewardship, knowing yourself so that you can Mm -hmm. lead yourself and Mm -hmm. others well, so that you can love yourself and others well. And, you know, helping others for their good and God's glory. I keep gesturing with my yep, hands as yep, if, yep, you know, yep. but, but this is, this is like, because you mean it. Yeah. You mean it. You're yeah. Serious. <laughs> I, I embody this for sure. And, and there isn't, um, there isn't just one, the best assessment, you know, people get all crazy right. about the Enneagram and say, Oh, this is the end all be all. It's a model. It's a, it's a it's typology. A it's a tool. Um, but there are others and you can look at, you know, all these things interwoven, but in our off camera conversation, you said something about the Enneagram that so resonated with me because, you know, I've learned enough about it that I can use it as I work with others and it's changed me. It's changed our marriage in our knowing about ourselves through the lens of the Enneagram, but you framed it with the word that is truly about who you are. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing that with, with yeah. others. Just, I think it's so. Yeah. So, the, yeah. so the story behind what I'm about to, to share has to do with the Enneagram, uh, me being a six uh, Enneagram sixes are by nature um, skeptical um, creatures. You know, I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. That's, you know, and that's maybe where my curiosity comes from that helps me out. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> when I finally decided to start kind of, you know, like this is, this could be interesting, you know, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. I was actually living in England at the time and had a friend who was um, sharing, you know, her knowledge and experience with me on that. But um, uh I noticed that as I learned and discovered more about who I am through the lens of Enneagram, through the tool of the Enneagram, um, that, that it, I felt, it felt very empathetic towards myself. I felt Mm. like I can give myself some empathy because I'm, I'm not wrong. Like this is, I'm not a problem. This is just, this is, can, can, there's grace around who I am. You know, do I need to work on some things? Absolutely. You know, the light was shed on or shown on the the unhealthy parts of who I can be, 
But then also here's the healthy parts that you can be like, let's work towards here, you know, and, and to be able to know about myself, like, okay, when I'm doing this, it's an indicator of, oh, I'm going to my three. That's, that's not healthy. I am rein it back in, you know, and to, to know that about myself just felt very empathetic. Then in turn, my husband started kind of getting interested in it. He first typed as a nine, um, but he's now uh, a five, uh, we, uh, very clearly a five <laughs> um, <clears throat> as we dug more into it. And so it helped us communicate, even when our marriage was was rocky, mm-hmm. um, it, it helped us to know each other a little bit better. And so I kind of call, I call the Enneagram for me, the language of empathy, because um, it just feels like a language, a very empathetic way to engage in relationship with other people. Um, if, you know, I love when, like, if someone, I, I don't ever push the Enneagram. In fact, in my mentoring, I don't, I don't even have to do Enneagram. I am a certified Enneagram coach, but I don't even have to talk Enneagram. Like I don't need to do that. A lot of people don't like that. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Fine. Know what you need, you know, and, yeah. And, yeah. and, and let's go from there. But uh, it's a tool that I can use in communicating. If I can figure out, you know, if, if you tell me you're a type seven, it's like, oh, I know what, you know, like I, yeah. I feel like I know you automatically to to a, a, a deeper degree, almost in an instant. Right. Um, I know, I know what I could say that would hurt you. I know what I could say that would um, motivate you or um, make you feel, you know, loved. Um, so anyway, and then same thing with my husband, same thing him with me. So it is very much an empathetic way tool to use for communicating. And, and I, I love using it as that. I, I think that resonated deeply with me in our, in our previous conversation, because when I came to the Enneagram, I mistyped as a one, but I was in an incredibly stressful time of my life. And later, and I thought, I just, yeah, I see parts of that, but I just Mm -hmm. don't resonate with it. And through further study and coming to it again later on, I typed as a seven and that because of the motivations. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's so much clearer when you like, oh, that's, that's, yes, that's it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And, and I saw it as a tool of self-compassion. yeah. And so I love, you know, it's like you were saying funny and irony. I love your way of phrasing it even more because it's a language of empathy toward others and yourself. It's It's, relational. Yes. Can we just use it for myself? Yes. But I don't want to just keep it to myself. You know, I think it's such a great tool for, for relational, um, healing relational closeness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, we could talk an entire uh, podcast episode just about the language of empathy. Oh, and I have lots more thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. And a lot of examples, but I want to be mindful of your time and the listener's time as well. And and I just want to, first of all, thank you for giving your time today to to have this bit of a conversation. And I would love to have you back uh, for more talking and 
and about your writing and what you're doing. So that that would be something fun to look forward to. But in All the meantime, for, for those of you that are listening, I will have the ways to connect with Andrea. If you're a writer and need her editorial companionship, that information will be on the show notes for Let Go Lean In podcast for okay. this episode. So Andrea, thank you so, so much. It's oh, my goodness. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. And I, I look forward to more conversations. So. I feel I feel the withness of this conversation. So I'm oh, Me thank too. You. I I have learned to love technology in this way. Yeah. But there is there is truly a way of being with, even though we're not physically Absolutely. in the same place. Yeah. yeah thank All you, right. Lisa. Bye for now. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.